everybody. Welcome to Church Online. Thank you for being a part of today's online experience. Thank you if you're listening by podcast as well. I'm really excited about today as we're in week two of our series 10. Last week we kicked off by celebrating 10 years of Cultivate Church, 10-year birthday as Cultivate Church turned 10. And we talked about a lot of things that make Cultivate Cultivate, how we stand on truth and we walk in triumph and we do it together. We really learned about many of the core values that we carry as a church, and that's us as individuals as well. I pray that as this new year is off to its start, that you're doing well. Uh, We're in 21 days of prayer and fasting, and I pray that you're taking part of that with us this past week. uh, My five-year-old was trying to give my wife some sugar, some candy, and she said, hey, I I can't have that right now. And he said, well, why not? And she explained because of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting, and he wanted to know what that was, and she began to explain it to him about how we give something up Uh, to spend more time and get closer to the Lord. And he said, whew, I sure am glad that's just for adults because he didn't want to take part in it. But then he said, I know something that I can give up. He said, I'm going to give up all of my jobs. And uh, so he's going to not do his chores around the house as to give up for 21 days of prayer and fasting. But this series and this season, essentially, as we begin this new year, for many of you, uh, new year, new you, you've got things that you want to get right this year. Uh, you want to eat a little better. You want to exercise a little more. You want to strengthen your relationships. You want to build your bank account. Uh, you want to get some things in order this year. And January is a great time for all all of us to do that. And this series 10 is all about multiplying our purpose, multiplying our existence on this planet, multiplying the quality of life that we live so that we can make the world around us a better place. And this whole series is out of Psalms chapter 90 verse 12. And here's what it says. So teach us to number our days that we may cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. That's always been our prayer as a church. When we say at Cultivate Church to live life on purpose, it is so that we get the most out of every day that we live, out of every moment that we have on our job, with our family, with our friends, no matter who is around us, that we learn that the brevity of life is a reality. Life is so fleeting. And so God, if you will help teach us to number our days, to take the days we have and to maximize or multiply Uh, the time that we have so that we can make the greatest impact. Teach us so that we can cultivate and bring to you a heart of wisdom. Let us cultivate. Let us uh, work with intention. Let us be hard workers to produce something with our lives that matter to you. Last week, as we talked about many of the core things that we embrace as a church, today I titled your message, Basic Mathematics. Uh, Because I understand to multiply and to increase. When I was in high school, I was not the greatest math student. As a matter of fact, I was always the last one to ask a question or to give a response. One day, I'll never forget in math class, my teacher asked me a question and I could not answer it. And so she brought me to the board. She put the problem up on the big whiteboard at the time with the markers. Today, it's all digital. And she said, I want you to solve the equation. 
And I just stood there. I couldn't do it. I did not know how to do it. I was completely embarrassed standing up there. And this is what my incredible math teacher said. She said, well, then you just stand here until you figure it out, and we will continue class. I never forgot that moment, feeling paralyzed in the moment because I didn't know how to solve the equation. I think many of us live our life this way when we try to uh, do the right thing or live life on purpose, but the equation that's on the board paralyzes us because we just don't know what to do. But when it comes to basic mathematics, I know that one plus one is two. I know that, that two times four is eight. You see, it's the basics. It's, it's the very foundation, the fundamentals that, that produce everything else. And so today, I want to take this living life on purpose, this maximizing our life, this making the most of our existence of our 2022, of our January 2022. Every opportunity we have, I want to maximize it, and I want to bring it to the most common denominator, the simplicity of basic mathematics. And I want to give us just a few things today that I think will produce a life on purpose. A few core things from beginning until end, what you can begin doing even today to live your life out on purpose. So let's pray. And I'm believing that today what we discuss really will set the tone for the rest of your year, for the rest of your life, and for the legacy that you will leave. So Father, I thank you for all of my friends watching online, listening by podcast. Thank you for the word that you're bringing to us today. I pray that we're encouraged. I pray that we're motivated. God, I pray that we're convicted by it. I pray that you get the best of us, God, as we maximize our life on purpose. And God, we thank you that we will be better when we leave this moment because of your presence that's in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to help Help us to develop today this life on purpose. And there's three key elements that I want to give you of things that we need to develop in order to number our days and maximize our impact. And number one is you need to develop a private life. You need to learn to develop your private life. This is the nobody sees you life. This is the nobody is watching, that nobody is checking in, that nobody can see with their eye visually what's happening in your life. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7. It gives us a glimpse of what God holds as important, the seen or the unseen. It says, but the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance, underline that word appearance if you can, or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, this scripture shows us that God's perspective is very different from our own. The Bible says that God doesn't judge by what is seen on the outside. God is looking at what is unseen on the inside. God is looking at the private life. You see, in our culture, we value charisma 
over character. We go by and follow style over substance. We like to see the things and so we follow it. Uh, it's, it's very evident in our culture that we will follow people because of uh, what they do or what they show or what we can see, the way that they act, the way that they sing. We celebrate their style over the substance of their life. We'll put their posters on our wall. We'll put their pictures up. We will get their autographs. We will uh, hold them in high esteem. We will buy their memorabilia. We will follow them on social media because of their style rather than their substance. We will follow their charisma over their character. And I see this a lot. I see this in the world of church. I see people following the latest fad and the, and the latest pastor, the latest speaker who can gain a following based on their style over their substance or their charisma over their character. And then soon we find out that there was a moral failure or there was something that wasn't right about what was on the inside, the private life, the unseen. And God just says, I don't play that game. God just says you can pretend and you can put on and you can carry the persona of what you want people to perceive of you. However, God is looking at the heart and God is not looking at what is on the outside. God's not going by the appearance of it. God is going by the inward uh, private life. Jesus said in Matthew 23, verse 27 and 28, He said, What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law, and you Pharisees, hypocrites, people who say one thing and do another. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity." Outwardly, you look like righteous people, but inwardly, your hearts are filled with hypocrisy and lawlessness. Jesus just paints a picture of such clarity of what exactly God had said. Jesus is bringing this to the religious people. Jesus says, look, uh, all of you guys are hypocrites. You're saying one thing and you do another. And they're like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Don't you see what we do? Don't you hear what we say? Can't you see uh, the persona that we carry? But Jesus said, look, your lives, hypocrites, doing one thing and saying another. Your private life does not line up with your public life. You see, Jesus says on the outside, you're like a beautiful whitewashed tomb. Everything is decorated and perfect and in its place and serving its outward purpose. But on the inside, it's just dead. It's just lifeless. It's full of dead, dried up bones. The private life is dead. It looks good on the outside, but the reality of it from the private perspective, it's all dead. Your marriage looks good on the outside. Nobody knows the problems that are happening inside of your house and, and the tension that you feel and how close you are to unraveling the thread of your marriage. It looks good on the outside, but it's full of dead bones on the inside. Your finances look good on the outside. You drive the right car, you live in the right house, you've got the right job, you wear the right clothes, you've got all the right name brands, yet 
On the inside, it's barely hanging on by a thread. That pressure is about to kill you. The stress is about to destroy you. You're suffocated by the stress and the problems and the pains of worrying about your finances. Sure, it looks good on the outside. You've dressed it up. But on the inside, it's full of dead bones. Your relationships all around you. Sure, you've got acquaintances and, and you have people that know your name and people that you hang around, yet on the inside, it's empty, it's hollow, it's full of dead, dry bones. Don't live that way. It's dangerous. It's like sinkholes. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of astonished by this, this uh, phenomenon of what happens with sinkholes. Right there on your screen, you, you can see uh, this is in Bowling Green, Kentucky at the National Corvette Museum. On February 12, 2014, a 40-foot sinkhole developed underneath this museum and swallowed these Corvettes. I mean, these expensive, beautiful cars sitting in the showroom floor of a museum, but underneath, they are swallowed up. Take a look at this one. On May 30th, 2010 in Guatemala, a 65-foot wide and 300-foot deep sinkhole developed swallowing a three-story factory. Absolutely incredible. Swallowed a three-story factory. The ground underneath literally gave way and swallowed up cars and massive buildings. How does this happen? See, what is happening beneath the surface begins to erode. It can happen because of natural effects by storms and water that rushes in, bad uh, mother nature taking its course, and it just wears away at things that are unseen. It can happen by man-made uh, problems and man-made error and man-made disaster. We install uh, sewage pipes and we install water lines and drainage. And when there's a mistake that happens and over time there's water leakage and there's pressure and erosion starts to take place. And it removes the integrity underneath the surface, the private, the unseen. It begins to erode. It loses its integrity until everything on the outside begins to collapse and begins to fall in. My fear for many of us, even as believers, is that we really look polished on the outside, yet on the inside in our private life, we are eroding from the inside out. And you can only last so long until everything begins to collapse on itself. Unless you have the character and integrity of your private life, your public life cannot stand. You do not have a foundation. I'm encouraging you more than anything that you focus on this year in 2022 is to build your private life. You will have the greatest year of your life if it's the greatest year spiritually. So how do we do that? How do you build your private life? Well, I want you to write down this phrase, solitude and silence. Solitude and silence. The greatest one that we can learn from is Jesus himself. And here's what the Bible says that Jesus would do in Mark 1 and 35. It says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up and left the house and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. 
You see, Jesus built his private life in solitude and silence. Jesus would withdraw from everything that is around him. All the pressures and all of the people and all of the problems and all of the emergencies that take place, the I have to have you now, the 911s, he ignored the text, he dodged the phone call, he put down his social media, he got off of the screens and he went away and spent private time with God. Why? Because he knew if his public life was going to be sustainable, it had to be built in the foundation of his private life. This year, do what Jesus did and learn to withdraw. That's what this 21 days of prayer and fasting is all about. It's learning to withdraw. It's learning to resist some things, to silence some of the loudness that's in your life, to get away in solitude and silence and focus in on building and empowering and growing and maturing your private life. I'm telling you, prayer has to be a part of your private life. Every day, spending some time communicating with God. If you don't communicate with the people in your life every day, audibly, your wife, uh, your, your, your husband, your kids, your boss, your co-workers, your family, your friends, if you don't communicate, you have no relationship. And if you don't communicate with the Lord, you have no relationship. There is no relationship without communication. You have to be able to communicate with the Lord. You need to get in God's Word every day. I'm encouraging you, please, do the daily Bible every single day. Read the Bible through this year. We're only, we're only barely into the first of the year. Read your Bible every day. Get the Bible app. Download it. It will read it to you. It's so simple. I don't care how you do it, but get in your Bible every single day. Get in your church church, begin to serve, begin to live your life on purpose. That's what builds your private life. I cannot stress enough today to you the importance of your private life. All around us, people are crumbling every single day. People are disappointing you. People are letting you down. People who follow Jesus, who represent the church, who represent the Lord, they're letting us down because their private life cannot sustain the public life that they're living. Your family is counting on you. Your friends are counting on you. People are watching your life, so you must build your private life so that you can sustain and develop. Number two, this is important, it is your public life. Because everything begins in the unseen. And when it is unseen, it is going to give birth to the things that are seen. Your private life give birth to your public life. Look at what the Bible says. Proverbs 22 and 1 says, Choose a good reputation over great riches. Being held in high esteem is better than silver or gold. You see, when it comes to our public life, we often work harder at being known than what we're known for. You see, we just want people to know something uh, and, and know us. We, we just want people to acknowledge us. So in our public life, it's like we float in places and we just become a picture of what is uh, presented to us. So at your workplace, you're like your work people. And then at home, around your family, you're like your family. And then 
at church, you walk in, and then you begin to develop to be like the people that's in your church. And so we just want to be known, and we spend time making ourselves known in our circles rather than spending time on what we are known for. We have a desire for people to see us and to see us in the way that we want to be seen. The Bible says that your good reputation is worth more than anything else. It's worth more than silver and it's worth more than gold. You need to want to be held in high esteem. You want people to look at your life and see integrity and see character and see a person of their word, to see a person who is reliable, a person who is trustworthy, a person who stands on their values and their convictions, a person who is uh, established in what they think and based on something of truth. You see, what is it that you are known for in your public life? Is your private life producing the public life that you want to be seen? Here's what 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12 says. It says, Dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Be careful to live properly, underline that if you can, among your unbelieving neighbors. Be careful to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors. Then, even if they accuse you of doing wrong, they will see your honorable behavior and they will give honor to God when he judges the world. This is an incredibly important verse of Scripture when it comes to our public life. In verse 11, we're given this warning that we need to be uh, aware of how we live because we're just temporary residents and we're foreigners on this earth. And we're to keep away from our worldly desires that wage war against our very souls. In other words, you need to be very careful about how you live in this world. That we are in the world, yet we are not of the world. That we're different. That we stand out. That our public life is very different than the public life of other people. You see, your private life, spending time with God, cultivating and building and growing your spiritual life, then displayed publicly very different from those who are unbelievers. Now check out verse 12. It says, be careful to live properly among, notice this, your unbelieving neighbors. See, many of us are more concerned about what our Christian friends think of us if, if, oh, we've got a problem. I don't want the church to know that our family is struggling. I don't want anybody to know that, that I have a problem with this or that, that I've got this hurt, this habit, or this hang-up. And so we learn to display ourselves in a picture-perfect way at church and with church people and with people of spiritual disciplines. However, when you get to work, it's like you, you, you're able to just let loose and not worry about those things. When you hang out with your friends and, and your, 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 your co-workers and those people over there that you don't feel that pressure, then you can just live any way you want to live. But the Bible is teaching us your public life. You must be aware to live properly among your unbelieving neighbors because you want them to see your honorable behavior so that they will give honor to God when he judges the world. See, here's the point. People are watching. People are watching. People are observing. People are making judgments. They're forming opinions. They have instincts about what they think about your life and the way that you're living. You may not know. You may not even think about the fact that you have influence, but you do. 
People are watching your life. Everything we do is on display. Well, you may say, well, it's, no, it's nobody's business what I do. It's nobody's business the actions that I take or the way that I live. However, the Bible says, be careful so that you live properly among your unbelieving friends so that they can see what your honorable behavior. Social media, everybody follows somebody on social media. Uh, comedian Jim Gaffigan, I love, he does a little bit where he says how weird it is if, if you did in person what you say on social media. I'm going to follow you. I follow her because she's pretty. Uh, what if you walked up to a person in real life and said, I'm just going to follow you because you're pretty. Like it's just, it's this weird dynamic, but yet we've created this world and this culture online behind our screens where it is acceptable to follow people because of what they do or what they look like or what they have or what they can do or what they can produce. We learn to follow people and we're judging them by what we can see. Man, they've got it all together. Man, they've got the perfect diet, the perfect workout, the perfect kids, the perfect home, the perfect existence. Wow, they are perfect. Not to mention the 30 pictures they took to get that one, but wow, they're perfect. You see, we're judging by what we see. Uh, you know, we judge people in their actions every day. We judge people who let somebody out in traffic or not. I'm so guilty of this. I'll see somebody trying to get out in traffic or I'm trying to get out and I will watch somebody speed up just so that I can't get out. Like they're, they're trying to make it on purpose that I can't get out. And I immediately think, well, that's a rude person. They, they don't have any concern for anybody but themselves. We make these judgments by what we see. If you don't put your buggy back in the parking lot, come on, put your buggy back in the carts, in the cart bin, put it back, roll it. It's two feet. It's not going to hurt you to walk. It's inconsiderate. I look and I, I begin to judge. One of the biggest judgment calls we begin to make against people in our current time is, is mask wearing. Do you wear a mask or do you not wear a mask? Is the mask over your nose? Is it below your nose? Are you wearing it under your chin? Do you remove your mask to sneeze or to cough? Are you six feet away with your mask or are you up close to me with your mask? Is your mask, uh, is, is, it, is it the, the, the throwaway? Is it the paper mask? Is it a cloth mask? Does it have a design on your mask? Everybody is judging somebody in 2020, 2021, and 2022 by the mask that you're wearing or you're not wearing. You're wearing a mask so you're crazy you're not wearing a mask so you're crazy the point is not about whether you should or should not wear a mask the point is people are watching people are making judgments on our everyday actions your public life matters it carries weight and your private life is producing your public life so I want to ask you three questions about your public life and this will give you a little quality check to know if you're living your life on purpose, maximizing the number of your days, living your life is a life of multiplication so that you can make the greatest impact. Ask yourself this question. Does my public life have a message worth hearing? You see, every one of us has a message to give a story to share. Every day you're writing a story and people are watching, people are reading by the actions that you take. So is the life that you're living, your public life, has your private life, life produced a public life with a message worth hearing? 
If not, you need to rewrite the message of your life, the actions that you take. Ask yourself this question, uh, does my public life uh, display a lifestyle worth living? The way that I live and the way people are watching the way that I live, the decisions that I make and the actions that I take, the lifestyle that I have embraced, is it a lifestyle worth living? Do other people want to, uh, want to, uh, uh, they want to, they want to do it? Do they, they want to imitate it? Do they want to embrace it? Do they want to carry it out in their own lives? Is your life a life worth living? Your lifestyle. And then your faith. Is your faith a faith worth imitating? Is your faith a faith worth imitating? In other words, the faith that you have in Jesus, the faith that you display, the faith that you say, publicly living out in front of people, not by just what is in private, but what is displayed in public, are people seeing something that they want to embrace? Is the example that you're giving taking people closer to Jesus or taking people closer to jail? That's what I always say. Is it closer to Jesus or closer to the jail? Are you pushing them in the wrong direction or are you pushing them in the right direction? Because your private life, has produced a public life, which, number three, ultimately produces a productive life. A productive life. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 5 through 8 says, Supplement your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence, and moral excellence with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with patient endurance, and patient endurance with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love for everyone. And then verse 8, the more you grow, look at that word, the more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right here we have the ingredients of a productive life, a life that produces something good, for those around you. Because your private life is producing and growing, cultivating these very things so that it produces something publicly that people see and want to imitate, that they want to embrace and live out. Therefore, your life has become a life on purpose and a life of productivity, a productive Life. Purpose is this, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. That's the definition of purpose. The reason that something is done, the reason something exists, the reason something was created. You and I were created for purpose. We were created for productive living. Our life should be producing something. I want to ask you this question, what product is your purpose producing? What product is your purpose producing? The life that you're living, your purpose on the planet, what product is your purpose producing? This year, if you focus on growing and cultivating your private life so that it produces a public life worth following, worth embracing and living and imitating, you will have lived your life on purpose, a productive life that moves not only in the here and now, but shapes a legacy far beyond your reach into eternity. I want to live my life on purpose, and it's not hard. It's basic mathematics. 
It's not a difficult equation that you can't solve. It's not something that is so far beyond that you can't reach. It's just basic in the everyday disciplines of living out a God-centered, faith-based life on purpose. And that's my prayer for you in 2022. That's my prayer for my life and for my family and for our church together that collectively we would be people living a life of character and integrity in our private life so that it's displayed publicly, so that it would point to Jesus, so that we would be productive in the lives that we live. And I want to pray that over us today. Right where you are, if you can, will you bow your head, close your eyes? If you're listening by podcast, please keep your eyes open. But for the rest of us, I just want to take a second and I just want us to really focus in on this moment. And I would say today that if you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, that that's absolutely 100% where you need to start. Because your private life is, is, is built on the things that are unseen. And if you're walking away from God, you need to change that. You need to begin with a relationship with Jesus so that you can begin to build that private life. So everything that is constructed from there grows out of something that God has done in your heart. And so if you've got uh, a need today to say yes to Jesus, I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to pray for all of us that this year would be the greatest year spiritually that we've ever had. That we just break it down to basic mathematics. If we're going to multiply our life and we're going to get the most out of it, let's just break it down to the simplest form in your private, your public, and your productive life. And I'm believing God will help us do that this year. So Father, I pray for every one of my friends watching online today. I pray that right now every single person that needs a relationship with you would say yes to you. Jesus, we ask you forgiveness of our sin. We know we've messed up, we've failed, we've gotten it wrong. And Jesus, today we acknowledge that we need you. So we ask you for forgiveness. We choose to put you first in our life and we commit ourselves to you. And God, I pray for all of us today that we would all be people who grow privately in our integrity and in our character and our love for you, that we would display a life publicly that people would want to live out, that people would be drawn to so that they can see you. So God, that our life produces something, God, for here and for eternity forever because of what you've done in and through us. Jesus, we love you and we thank you that we get to carry this, that we get to be a part of your plan and your purpose. Teach us to number our days so that we can gain a heart of wisdom and serve it to you. Jesus, we love you and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.